Are you a busy Ruby developer who wants to take their freelance business to the next level? Interested in working smarter, not harder? Then check out the upcoming book, Next Level Freelancing, Developer Edition. Practical steps to work less, travel more, and make more money. It includes interviews and case studies with successful freelancers who have made a killing by expanding their consultancy, developed passive income through informational products, built successful SaaS products, and become rockstar consultants making a minimum of $200 an hour. There are all kinds of practical steps on getting started, and if you sign up now, you'll get 50% off when it's released. You can find it at nextlevelfreelancing.com. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of the Ruby Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Eric Davis. Hello. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we're going to be talking about the... F- we, we We're looking at, like, the top five books that we recommend, and I think we're just going to kind of ad-lib it and just recommend, like, our top books. I, It's hard for me to make a list of top five, and it sounded like Eric had, like, four that he'd recommend outright, and then it was a tie between another four or five after that. So we'll just kind of see how it goes. Eric, what what is your top book? I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear about that. And by top, you mean top of the pile of books that's sitting on my desk? Yeah, the the one that you would recommend the most, I guess. Okay, so I think the one that's had the best impact was, I think, Duct Tape Marketing by John Jantz. Um, it's very much a marketing-oriented book, but it has a lot of good, of, like, how to run your business. And it's not just marketing, but sales and customers and who who you're working for and kind of, like, what services you're providing. And I, it's kind of an older book. I've used it for many, many years. And it's kind of, it's one I keep pulling off my shelf and it's pretty dog-eared right now. Cool. So I've heard of it. I haven't heard a lot about it. Is is there like a major theme or lesson that you got from it that was really valuable or? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard because I follow his blog and he has a couple other books. So I might be mishmashing concepts, but it's basically, first off, you want to know who your audience is. Like, you know, if you're marketing to someone who's not your audience and they're not actually going to be able to be a potential client, it's a waste of your time. But the big point of it is he has kind of this idea of instead of like a sales or a marketing funnel, which is what people talk about a lot of, um, it's more of an hourglass. And the point is, is you kind of, you want to kind of build people up. So someone might come to you and they'll learn a little bit about you. And then over time, you kind of deliver more and more value to them. And then eventually they get to the middle of the hourglass where they become an actual client and start paying you. And then the idea is, that's, especially with freelancing, like that's usually where the relationship will stop. Like, you know, the, you do the project, you're done, you move on. Well, he's a big proponent of going back to those customers and, you know, maybe getting a second project from them or, you know, giving them other services or other benefits. And so that's kind of the bottom part of the hourglass. And that's basically that's where you want to be. It's where you're kind of working with existing and past clients a lot and giving them more services, giving them more value from you. And that's what actually will generate a lot of the referrals and stuff. And so that's kind of, that's a big concept he has. I, this book I know specifically talks a lot about um, kind of building different marketing materials and not like letterheads or business cards, but like, you know, here's a big, here's a white paper on how to do whatever, I guess, routing and Ruby on Rails and why it's important and all this and that. And you kind of do that as something to give away to potential clients and kind of work them through that hourglass. So that's that's the short summary I can remember. There's a lot of good like tactical level advice in there, and it's one of those books like you can read it and have a to do list of fifty things that you want to run out and do, and you just every time you read it, you get more items for that. Right, that makes sense. It sounds like something that I probably ought to look into so that when I kind of have those slow those slow times, that I can get a handle on that and, and really figure out you know how to approach the you know the past people yeah and it's really big on systems too if i remember right you know not just one-off stuff but like building a a process or a system so you know you can turn it on turn it off and it's not a you don't have to scale it up as much you know from scratch yeah that makes sense too i really like the idea of setting up systems you know it's this is how i do it and this is how i maintain it and yeah I, i really like that so um i'm gonna go ahead and throw a book on the pile, and that is Getting Things Done. Um, it's not necessarily a book about freelancing or marketing, but it really helped me just think about how to organize all of the stuff I have to get done. 
and how to manage it through a process and make it all work. And so I, I think a lot of people are familiar with the concept and familiar with uh, some of the things that he talks about in that book. But, um, you know, just, just finding the tools and, and figuring out uh, the best ways to handle that is really something that was valuable to me. Yeah, and I've actually done, or I did getting things done for several years. And my current system, I've kind of hybridized, hybridized it. So it's, I have the good concepts that I like and work good for me from that. And then I kind of borrow things from other parts. But it's a great book for kind of really tactical in the weeds level of like, okay, you have all these things you need to do or all these problems that's in your head and you want to get stuff done and how to organize that and how to actually make it easy for you to actually do the work versus just thinking about the work. Yeah, the other thing is is that for me it made it easier to take a load off and, and just know about the stuff that I had to get done. And um, I, I really, really liked that part of it where you know, he really did break down what I was trying to do and, and how I was trying to approach it. So, But, but it wound up saving me a whole bunch of time and, and getting me to that place where I, I wasn't as worried about what I was forgetting and what I was missing. And I could just... Uh, you know, manage things from there. So what's your next book? So this actually kind of ties in with getting things done. It's time management for system administrators. Um, I got it when I was a system administrator and doing kind of developer stuff kind of on the side for the company. Um, even though it says it's for system administrators, you can actually think about it for anyone who does technical stuff. I'm trying to find the date of it. This book, I, is kind of around the same vein of getting things done. It's almost the same process, but it's more uses more technology stuff, and it kind of brings in the idea of: Are you working on project work, or are you working on interruptions? So, you know, system administrators or people in a call center, or people who are on call type thing. Like, you might have to drop everything and jump on stuff. And for when you're freelancing, that can kind of come up. You know, you might have a client say, "Servers down. I need you to jump on this." And a lot of the book kind of talks about you know working with a team. So if you're a solo freelancer, that might not apply. But there's there's a lot of technical stuff in here that you can kind of pull out and put into you know getting things done or any other like productivity system. And I'm kind of glancing through it right now. I, there's actually quite a bit in here that I'm using in my current system that you know it doesn't come from getting things done. So I'm I'm guessing this is where I borrowed it from. Right, that makes sense. It sounds like kind of an interesting thing too because. I mean, they address interruptions in getting things done, but I don't remember it being super explicit about that. And I may just need to reread the book, but anyway, uh, that that's, that is something that does happen, and I, I do need to figure out how to better manage those kinds of things. Right. Right. So um, I guess I'll go ahead with another book. I know we're kind of getting through these kind of fast, but uh, maybe we can... If we if we get through all of our books pretty fast, I, I think there are some other veins that we can go with on on this topic. So, um, well, if we get through all of them on my desk, I have a bookshelf I can walk over and I can get a couple armfuls. <laughs> yeah, the other thing is is there are some books that I want to read that I haven't read, and so maybe I can talk about those and what I want to get out of them or something. We could also talk about maybe some topics that are good for books and other topics that maybe are better for other media. Anyway, the, the next book that I want to recommend is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, I don't know if you've read that book. It's It's been around for quite a long time. Yeah, I've, I've read it, I think, once. I don't remember very much from it because I read it so long ago. Right. So I, I don't remember what all the seven habits are, and it's more conceptual. It's not really – I didn't really feel like there were, like, super practical, you know, process that you could follow – it it does give suggestions for how to organize some things, though. Well, it's a it's a strategic level, and I think someone compared it. I read about it. it was, seven habits is very top down. Like these are your big things. Distill that down to small little things. Whereas mm -hmm. getting things done is bottom up. You have all these little things you have to do. As you start doing, it, eventually they they build up into projects, and then you know like your life goals and stuff. So it's actually like two approaches to the problem of getting getting your own personal work done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can definitely see that. One of the things that I really liked was that he doesn't just go into, here are the kinds of things that you have to do in order to 
be effective or, you know, be successful, but he really breaks it down and kind of gets into the concepts of, okay, well, if you're doing things because it's part of a value system versus, you know, being too dependent on one thing or another. And, and I find that I really do tend to feel like I'm more successful in the instances where I am doing something based out of a set, set of values as opposed to being based out of, you know, some, you know, maybe off-center focus. Even if it's a focus on something that's good, it, you know, it it messes that up a little bit when it's, you know, when it's too much of one thing and not enough of, of just the values that kind of center your life. So that that's kind of the big yeah. takeaway for me. One thing I, I still remember from that, and I actually use almost every day, I, I'm pretty sure it's from that book, but it's the the quadrant of important or not important and then urgent and not urgent. And, you know, one is one is on the y-axis, one is on the z-axis, x-axis. And the, the idea is you might have something that's urgent, but it's not important, or something that's important, but not urgent. And I think he goes into quite a bit of detail about the differences and kind of how interruptions are almost always not important, but urgent, mm-hmm. and how you really want to minimize that, but you want to maximize you know, you're important and either you're urgent or non-urgent. And it's, I still use that to this day, even when I'm talking with a client about features, I'd say, now, is this an important feature? They might say, yes, you know, the stereotypical clients say, yes, it's important, but you can ask them, is it urgent? Do you really need this for the the release this week or can it be pushed back? And so I've, that still frames my thinking to this day. Yeah, I agree. He, he talks about how most people live in quadrant one, which, which is important and urgent. Um, but, uh, what you want to do is get to the point where you're working primarily in quadrant two, which is important, but not urgent. So then you're, you're being effective and you're not, you're not nose to nose with your, uh, time deadline and, uh, yeah, Yeah, more proactive. Yeah, exactly. And so then what happens is you're able to do things to the right level, um, get it done, you know, on time or ahead of time and, not feel like you're rushed or pressured as far as delivery goes. And uh, yeah, that he, he basically explained that that's where most effective people channel their, their time and energy. So uh, what, what, what book would you choose next? I'm trying to think here. So I'm going to make a little easy one. We've talked about it many times before, but get clients now. Um, if you haven't heard the other episodes, it's kind of, it's once again, it's very tactical level marketing advice, but it's, structured around a four-week calendar and so you you pick from a buffet of different things you're going to do different tasks and you kind of put them on the calendar and so it's every week you have to do these things and you kind of get a little scoring sheet to score yourself so it's a really good way especially if you don't enjoy marketing or just don't feel like you can ever find the time to do it um, this way kind of puts some metrics behind it and it kind of, at least for me, it helped motivate me to, you know, get my numbers up and actually, you know, put more check marks on my little tracking sheet. So once again, you know, get clients now. I mean, we've we've talked about it a bunch, but I, I think it's still one of the, the most important books for freelancers. Yeah, I agree. That was going to be my next pick too, was uh, get clients now. Ah, stolen. <laughs> yep. But uh, anyway, yeah, it it really does. It, the, the thing I really liked about it was, you know, yeah, it's the four-week program, but just being able to hyper-focus on some area of your marketing funnel and just making it happen. There's just some real power in, in being focused on something important. So if you're, if you're struggling in, in sales or marketing, then by all means, you know, pick up this book because it, it helps you focus. It helps you figure out where you need to focus, but it also just gives some killer advice on whatever area you're trying to work in on how to make it better. And so, you know, you kind of get it all there. It's, it's, it's really good. Yeah. And the thing I like about it is it's not even like a beginner or an intermediate or an advanced book. It's, I mean, it's a book you can come back to and redo the program at whatever stage you're at. And like you said, like, you know, you can analyze what part of your business, but also kind of what your own skill level is. And it's a, it's a very good, you know, action oriented book. Yeah. Yep, exactly. It's it's a come back and, and do the process again. Because most likely, once you get one area in line, then you can find weaknesses in other areas and, and you know, do the program over again for those areas of your sales uh, funnel, your sales cycle. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's like code and, you know, you optimize what's the worst problem and then you optimize the second worst problem and you kind of work your way through it. And eventually you get to a solution where you're like, hey, everything's good enough. I can move on. Yep, Absolutely. 
So I only really had the three books. I have a bunch that I want to read, but I haven't read them yet. So um, I, I guess I could pick another book, but since you stole my third pick, I'm going to make you put another book out there. Another good one is by Michael Port. It's Book Yourself Solid. I've mentioned it before. This is It has a pretty good marketing focus, but it's a lot more general business. It's actually a lot like duct tape marketing in that talks a lot a bit about a lot a bit about talks a lot about finding your audience, figuring out how you can serve them, figuring out like what levels of service they need, if they need just, you know, a little bit of help or actually like holding their hand or actually doing it for them. And it actually goes through different strategies. So you can have like a a strategy for the web, which you know, if you're a Ruby or Rails freelancer, you probably already have a pretty strong web strategy. But it also goes into like a strategy for if you're going and networking with people or a strategy if you're trying to get some PR and stuff like that. So it's a really good kind of general marketing book. It's has some strategic stuff in it and then some tactical stuff. So it's a pretty good it's a pretty good mix. I used it along with Get Clients now when I got started and I think it's like within like two or three months, like I was already up to full-time work. So it works, the stuff in there, if you follow it. And, you know, it's a pretty good book for that. So I have to ask, what's the primary difference between Book Yourself Solid and Get Clients Now? So Get Clients Now, it's kind of like you already have your business, but it's not at where you want it to be. And so here's some tactics, here's some techniques to do to improve it. Book Yourself Solid, I think, is more of, you might already have a business, but it might not be doing what you want. Like, I'll use an example. Say you're already a freelancer, but you're doing mostly PHP projects. So Book Yourself Solid is going to help you define what you want to do. Like, if you want to get into Ruby and Rails, you know, define that, define what where you're going to find these people and build up around that. So I think Book Yourself Solid kind of has, it goes a bit farther but it doesn't go in depth of the day-to-day activities like Get Clients Now is. Okay, that makes sense. So if I had to pick another book that I've actually read, because I'm running out of, of books like this that I've actually read, and the reason is is because I went freelance, and then I got real busy, and I hadn't really read a ton of them before that. It would probably be 48 Days to the Work You Love by Dan Miller. It's The, the focus of the book is actually on finding a job that you will love, and if you're a freelancer, you're probably not so much into finding a job. Um, you're probably more interested in finding clients. However, the thing is, is that he talks a lot about enjoyable work, finding that job that you will enjoy. And it, it helps you kind of think about some of the things that you like or don't like about the job that you're probably in right now. And so um, I, I recommend it mainly to freelancers if they aren't completely happy with the freelancing job with their freelancing gig. They can, you know, they can figure out, okay, um, do I need to pivot? Do I need to look in a different area? Do I need to get more education? You know, and, and you can kind of skip some of the job search focused stuff that's in it. But uh, he also has another book called No More Mondays, which is also much more focused on uh, going going your own way and and building your own business. But I haven't read that one. However, I, I do highly recommend to everybody that they read 48 Days to the Work You Love. So, uh, you know, you can go check that out. He also has a podcast. Um, incidentally, I think um, the guy that did Getting Things Done also has a podcast. But, uh, you know, Dan does it every week. And uh, he has people call in at every stage. So it's, you know, I want to quit my job and go out on my own doing this. And he has other people that are saying, hey, I'm out on my own and I'm struggling with this, that or the other. And then he'll, you know, give them advice. Well, you know, you need to be doing this and you probably ought to be doing that. And, you know, clearly you want to be able to feed your family. But if you're miserable in your job, then look at these other alternatives because you might be able to find another option there. And in a lot of cases, he always, he's telling you, find and solution, not or solution. So it's basically, you know, I like the money I'm making, but I'm not happy where I'm at. And so he's saying, okay, well, find somewhere where you can be happy and make that money. And then he'll make a few suggestions on the show. So it's a terrific show. And you can find it in iTunes. I'll put a link to the 48 Days podcast in there. But you can also find it at 48days.com, I think. Anyway, so uh, 48 Days to the Work You Love is also a, a terrific book that I recommend to pretty much everybody. So if you're not a freelancer and you, you know, you're not happy in your job, then go read it too. 
I've lent it okay, out so to it's... I don't know how many people. <laughs> so anyway, go ahead. So it's it's kind of good if you're looking at doing kind of a transition in your life or career then. Yeah, that's kind of where it's focused more than anything else. And a lot of the tactics are more focused on finding full-time employment, but it's it's still a pretty good book. Okay. Um, so the next books, I'm, gonna, I'm saying books because I can't remember the differences between the two. Um, these are like software engineering classics, but The Mythical Man Month and then Peopleware. Uh, if you haven't read them, you need to read them. They, this Mythical Man Month is where the idea of, a, of there's no silver bullet came from. Um, basically, it's kind of people where paper, or people where I'm trying to remember the exact contents, but it basically talks a lot about how you build software and not like the details, but more of the soft part of it, like how teams work, how um, you know the software helps a business, all that stuff. It's great because if you're working as a freelancer, you have one foot in development and you have one foot in business. And so I think reading these two books would really help you kind of understand a lot of the business side and would actually help you communicate really good with your clients. And you might be able to point out like some, like they might make a suggestion that, you know, oh, we'll just add another 20 programmers to the project. Well, Mythical Man Month has the details of why that is a bad idea. And so <laughs> it might give you, you know, give you some help and kind of give you, back you up on some things. But they're great books. I can't remember. I mean, I have the, what is this, 20th or 25th, 20th anniversary edition of the Mythical Man Month. And I've had this for a while. So they're, it's very, very classic stuff. But if you haven't read them, you know, run and go read them. They're, they're great little books. Yeah. Peopleware was, uh, recommended by David Brady on Ruby Rogues. And then the Mythical Man Month was uh, required reading for one of my college classes. I haven't read Peopleware. I have read the Mythical Man Month. And uh, I remember reading it. And then I remember finding it later after I'd been, you know, a career programmer for a few years and reading it again and wanting to take it and basically just upload the whole thing to the brain of whoever my boss was at the time. Um, because it was just like, look, y this explains to you what I'm trying to tell you, you know, the, the, y you know, no matter how hard you push, it's, you know, it's not going to make it happen any faster. And, uh, you know, pouring more sand into the bucket doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get more sand up the hill. So anyway, it's kind of yeah. interesting. I mean, I'm just, I'm glancing through the chapters now and it's, I'm, it's bringing back memories. I mean, it's, it's a great book. And even if, if you don't have problems with your current clients or whatever, it's a good one to read because it kind of outlines how the industry, and this, like I said, this is a classic. So this is kind of how the industry got started. And to me, like it, some of it almost reads like fiction. It's so exciting. And I might actually just start reading this again while we're on the call. Yeah. The other thing with the mythical man month is that again, even if you're like a solo coder freelancer that uh, only does, you know, certain types of work, and, uh, you know, so you're not really managing a team. I think it'll help you really frame how you want to approach some of these projects with your clients. And ex you can then explain to them intelligently why your approach or their approach may or may not work. Because they may try to, you know, make some of the mistakes that, that he outlines in the book. And, uh, you know, you, you can then say, look, here's why it doesn't work. And, uh, you know. Heck, you can even give them the book if you really have to. But uh, it it, le it lends both to management and uh, toward the project management in in the case of your client. It's a, I'm thinking about it, it's actually not just about teams, but it's about you know communication between people. So you know you're working as a freelancer, you have a client, that's a group of people. Even if you're a freelancer and you're just talking to potential clients or you know maybe leads or whatever, that's still communication. So it's still I still think you can take a lot of concepts from it and apply it you know almost anywhere in your life. Yep. All right. Well, uh, my next book that I'm going to recommend is Rich Dad Poor Dad. I have to say that half the stuff that is in the book I didn't necessarily agree with, but at the same time, a lot of the a lot of the concepts as far as how to think about money, how to think about assets and things like that, I thought was very valuable. So, um, you know, take take what you're reading with a grain of salt, I guess. But at the same time, I mean, it, it's a terrific book. And he kind of tells it in a story form. And so you you really kind of get your uh, your head around some of these concepts because he basically illustrates them with, we did this, and then this is the lesson we learned. So 
you know, I like the book. It's not one of my favorite books of all time, but related to uh, related to life and finances and things, I thought it was pretty good. So, I've read that a while ago. Um, I've, I think I've read most of his early books. It's it's good, and yeah, there's going to be parts you might not agree with, or you might not, you know, it might just not feel right. But kind of the general concepts are good, and the, I think the writing is kind of iffy in parts, but. You're, it's still easy enough that you're able to read it and pick up what he's trying to get at. And I mean, I, I remember he had a quote of like, he might not be the best writing author, but he's a best selling author. And so it's kind of the idea of this is good enough content to get it out there to help people. And I know some people that were extremely helped by the concepts in that and are actually millionaires to this day now. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard a lot of the same things. I, I don't know anyone personally who became a millionaire due to any concepts that they read from the book. But I also know people who are well off that agree with a lot of the principles in the book. And uh, the other thing is that it's not just the way he writes and things. In some cases, it almost feels like he's trying to upsell you in the book. And uh, that was a little hard to stomach sometimes. But those are really the only critiques I have of the book. And the concepts in some cases are so good that you can kind of just get past it and, and, you know, enjoy the book for what it is. So let's get another book recommendation from, from you, Eric, or was that five? Um, I don't know. I, I, it looks like five or six, but, um, okay. So my last one, this one I'm saving for last. It's great, but it's, it's so hard to do and to take all the advice in it that I haven't even done it. Um, title's kind of off-putting, I guess, if you, you know, take it at, what it is, but if you actually think about what's in it, it's really nice. But it's a book by Alan Weiss called Million Dollar Consulting. It's, I mean, this is basically like how to run a consulting company, and it's very, very like top tier level consulting. So it's some stuff might not work for freelancers, even though he's actually, I believe he's just a single person company. But it's, I mean, he, I remember it's either in this book or another one, he talks about the idea of if you can't look at a client. And tell them that this project will cost, what is it, $50,000 with a straight face, you need to practice on that. And that's kind of what it means by like million dollar consulting. It's very, very high dollar, very, you know, cream of the crop or whatever. But the book is great. There's a bunch of ideas in it. Um, He goes into marketing, he goes into audience stuff like most of the other books I recommended. And this is actually one I turn to all the time. There's another one that has like templates and toolkits based on this book. And so I actually take some of those for my own forms and stuff if I send to clients. Wow, that's interesting. Um, sounds like something I need to read. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's he has another one that's like, you know, if you're getting started, but this is kind of like you're at an intermediate level and you kind of feel stuck and you want to kind of move up. Like maybe you want to hire some more people or maybe you just want to have, you know, brand name clients or whatever. I kind of think like this, the concepts in this book are almost a requirement. It's funny when you said brand name clients, I, uh, my mind immediately went to like having, you know, the nice shoes or whatever, but, but it is kind of that idea, right? You know, where you have on your client list, you know, the Coca-Cola or maybe some of the big tech companies out there, you know? Yeah. I mean, pe- people who have significant budgets have significant problems and need significant help for it. I mean, that's, that's basically what I mean when you're, you know, top tier clients. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I re- I'm really going to have to pick that one up. I might pick that one up today. Um, one, one book that I forgot and it would have probably been like number two or three is, um, the passionate programmer by Chad Fowler. Um, it's it's definitely one of those books that uh, I think everybody should read, whether you're an employee or a freelancer. It's it's really interesting. It's like jam packed with all of this career advice, and um, I've read it once as an employee and once as a freelancer, and found it very valuable in both cases. So it really makes you think about okay, these are the kinds of uh, things that I'm doing. Here's where I want to go with my career. You know, in some cases, you know, it kind of highlights some of the things that you may be doing wrong. I don't remember if he was deliberate about that or if I was just being hard on myself. But uh, in any case, it it really is a super book for just getting you um, on the right track with some of the um, some of the things that you can do with your career. So 
again, and it's another book where if you're in transition, you're not sure where you're going to go, then definitely read it. And if you are on the, on the track you think you want to be on, but haven't thought about, okay, well, where am I in my career and things like that, then go pick it up. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember if I've read that or not. I'm pretty sure that's, he actually had one before it that was retitled. And so that's kind of the second edition. Yeah. And that, if I'm, yeah. He retitled I'm, that one. Okay. So I, I read the original one. It's, it's a long one. It's my job went to India and all I got was this lousy book. Mm-hmm. I read that when I was, or yeah, when I was an employee and it's not even just like career advice, but it's like a bunch of stuff to like improve yourself and improve like how you do your work. And I think I still have stuff in my to-do list from like action items that I took from that book that I still haven't even been able to get to like, but I haven't deleted them because I really want to do them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really good book. I remember reading it. When did I read it? Anyway, I don't remember how long ago I read it last, but you know, I've, I've read it within the last few years and definitely have some, uh, some, some good things that I picked up from it. So I, I, I definitely recommend that if you're a programmer and you're trying to figure out, you know, anything regarding your career, then go read the book. And if you think you're secure in where you're going with your career, go read the book and just see what, what it has to offer. Because I guarantee you that there are things in there that are going to change the way you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually looking here because I have the, the PDF version. I got it, you know, summer of 2005 and that's probably around when I read it. And I'm still, I still remember monkey traps and a lot of that stuff and, you know, figuring out the tra- trajectory of your career. And yeah, it's a good book, good concepts in it. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been talking for about 35 minutes. I usually try and cut it off at about 50 minutes. So do you have more books or do you want to talk about some of the books that you think you want to read next or where do you want to go from here? Um, actually what I would like to do, cause I actually have a pretty hard line on this is I have some printed, you know, dead tree books, but I also have been buying a lot of eBooks, whether PDF or actually on my Kindle. And so I think talking about, you know, when you would actually want to buy a dead tree book versus an ebook. And also when a book might not actually be the best thing for you to use if you're trying to learn something. I mean, you mentioned that at the beginning of the show and I think that's actually a pretty good thing to think about. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, let's talk about dead tree books versus ebooks. Um, I have to say that where I come down on this usually depends on whether or not I'm flying because they don't make you turn off the dead tree books. You know, it, I don't know. There is something about reading a dead tree book that is nice um, as opposed to reading it on my Kindle or my iPad, but it's hard for me to really quantify what that is. I I don't know if you have other thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I've slight tangent. I've actually used, I've typed almost everything, put everything on the computer, but I've actually started using, you know, real paper and ink to write stuff down. And I think that's kind of the similar thing. Having, the tactile, tactile, tactile feedback of actually holding a book and flipping through it. There's a lot you can, lot, a lot that that helps you. Then you can't get with an ebook. Like I can look at this book on my desk and it's half an inch thick. I know that's going to be a small book, and I know really easily based on how I'm holding it, how far I am in it. Versus an ebook, you might have to look at what page you're on and do some calculations. And you know, you're all technically all of your ebooks feel the same way to your hand, but different books might feel different. Like this one has kind of a, you know, kind of a soft cover. This one's slick. You know, this one has hard bound, so it has the sleeve. So I think just the act of like, you know, physically reading, I think it's actually majorly difference between the two. But I don't know. For me, I don't. That doesn't matter as much to me anymore as the actual the information in it, and I've actually kind of come down hard on dead tree books and that I I will almost always buy the Kindle or electronic version first, and if it's a good enough book, I will get a an actual printed copy of it. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I definitely agree regarding whether it's you know the the tactile feel of the pages or. You know, um, I think sometimes it's just easier to uh, to read or to assimilate the data from if it's an actual physical book. But the night it's so convenient to have on your uh, on your iPad or your your Kindle, and and I have a Kindle Touch. I don't know what what device you have, but uh, it's you know it, it, there's there's this uh, 
it's nice because I, I can just carry one little thing around and it has all of the information in it that I want to consume. So, you know, I, I think there's a trade-off and it just depends on whether or not I want the experience of holding paper or whether I care enough and, and whether it's just okay to, you know, read the, the information off of an electronic copy. Yeah. So, I mean, and it, this is where, this is why, cause like I have a different reading process than I think a lot of people, um, I know a lot of people will write in books and make notes and dog ear stuff. I don't like that. I, For some reason, I have to keep my books pristine. I actually have things called book darts, which are little pieces of metal that kind of you insert and they actually point out like certain lines, but they don't actually damage the book. So for me, what I, whenever I would read a physical book, I would be reading it. And then in the other hand or on the table, I'd have a pad and paper and be writing my notes. And so to me... You know, that worked, but then after I wrote them all down, one, I'd have to be able to read my handwriting, which I've already mentioned is kind of hard. But two, I'd have to type it up in the computer to kind of, you know, have the long-term storage of it and also be able to go through it. And so the act of reading a book for me was actually a bit of work. And it got to a point where I had about 30 books worth of notes, well, not 30 books of notes, and I had to type them all up and I got backlogged and I couldn't do it. And so the information that I thought was valuable in the book is stuck on that paper and I actually didn't review it, didn't even get the benefit of it. But with my Kindle, I've written a script and figured out how to do it, but basically I highlight stuff. You know, you, you can do that on the Kindle devices. And when I'm done with a book, I use the script, download all those highlights and throw it into a, a computer file. And so now the second I'm done with a book, all my notes are right in front of me. And so if I need to see like, okay, what's in Get Clients Now?, I can read that one file, get a summary of what I thought was important, make to-do items, change things, do whatever I need to do. And that fast feedback lets me get get through a book, get the value out of it, and then put that value into myself or my business. And so that's actually why I just looked up. I have 393 Kindle books in my account right now versus I've actually cleaned out a lot of my books. I only have like half a bookcase worth of books now. Oh, wow. Yeah, so as far as books go, for me, I have, well, I have a cubicle, actually. That's my desk in my office. It's it's actually a cubicle. Chuck would freelance so he can have his own cubicle at home. <laughs> yeah. My wife found it on uh, one of those, it's kind of like Craigslist, except it's like the localized version that's attached to the local TV station or whatever. Anyway, she found it on there and you know, asked me if it was okay. And I said, yeah, it looks like it has plenty of desk space. But anyway, I have an overhead bin and that's where all my tech books are. I have one overhead bins worth of tech books and then, um, tech or big business books. And then the rest of my bookshelf is, uh, like, you know, just literature or I have a few books from my, uh, different classes at, at, at in college, but those are all like the Italian literature books and stuff. Which, again, I have fewer of those, but, you know, uh, so I don't have a lot of paper books. And generally, I ask people to send me electronic copies just because it's so convenient to have in electronic form. So, uh, yeah, um, as far as writing in books, I'm I'm kind of the same as you. I tend not to do it just because, for one, I don't think I'm ever going to go back and thumb through it and try and find the note again. Um, and if I do, I'd rather have a, an electronic index of it anyway. So... Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. When you read books, then you actually go through and highlight and leave notes. Because sometimes I do that and sometimes I don't. The thing is, is I don't want to do it just because I feel like I ought to. I want to do it because something actually meant something to me. In paper books, I don't. I'll take notes. But in ebooks, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm reading, uh, what is it, working effectively with legacy code right now. And I'm maybe halfway through it. And I'm like, uh, notes all over the place, like just ideas that I can apply either right now or like, oh, he's actually distilled something that I've done in practice for years but never had a name for it, and here he just named it for me. And I mean, there's some books like mine. I've had I've taken so many notes on some books that Amazon's DRM says we're sorry you cannot highlight any more notes in this book because you'd be basically copying the book at this point. Oh wow! So you said you have a process for managing your to-dos and things, how do you translate things that you read in a book that you want to translate into a to-do? Do you highlight it and then um, when you go back through, take care of it? Or do you break and go find your to-do software? 
Okay, so if it's like a, a to-do, it's like, wow, I could do this right now. Like this is like an important thing that I can apply right away. Like reading the working effective, whatever, with legacy code, there's been a few of those. Uh, I actually have an app on my phone that basically just gives you a big text field. You type in it and you hit a button and it sends you an email and it's tied directly to my email account. Those kind of things, I'll just email myself. But if it's kind of like, oh, this is a good idea, this can be a to-do or maybe a project later, I highlight it. And then when I'm done with the book, I take the notes, put it on the computer, and then I put a to-do item in my to-do list to say, go through the notes for book XYZ. And at that point, when I'm reviewing my notes, I'll say, okay, this is a good thing. I'm going to make this a to-do item. This is another good to-do item. And then I might say, oh, this is a good quote. I might put that in a quotes folder or maybe tweet about it or whatever. And so I have a separate process of reviewing the book, reviewing the book notes after I read it. Okay, that makes sense. The other question I have is sometimes, and, and you kind of brought this up, you know, whether books are the right media for you to uh, pursue for learning whatever it is that you're learning. And that's one thing that I, I kind of go back and forth on because sometimes I'm reading a book like for Ruby Rogues, we, we have the book club stuff that we do. And um, some of the books that I've read, you know, you read the first half of the book and it's all stuff that you already knew anyway. And uh, so do you usually just wind up skipping those parts or do you just kind of skim them to see if there is anything in there that you don't already know? I haven't really found a good process for that because I do want to read the book and I do want to get the knowledge that I don't already have out of it, but I don't really want to, you know, muddle through the first half of the book, um, you know, with stuff that I already know and I'm comfortable with and, you know, don't really feel like I'm getting a ton of value out of, or do you go find a video or something that is more on your level? For me, reading is the best way for me to pick up stuff other than actually doing it. Because I enjoy reading, I love it. It's you know, if that's my one hobby, I'd be happy. If I'm reading a book and say it's stuff I already know, I tend to start skimming and not reading as detailed and not taking as many notes. And if I end up skimming for a couple chapters, I might jump to the table of contents and see if there's you know a chapter that might be interesting to me. But I, it's hard because I almost if I start a book and it has some value for me, I almost always try to finish it. But there's some books like you get 10% in and you're like, this is not interesting. And I just drop it and just say, I'm not going to read this. Um, and that's that's why I read on my Kindle so much because I actually grab a sample for every book before I read it just to see, do I like the author's tone? Does it sound like they're actually going to help me? And if they don't, I delete the sample, no cost to me. And if it's something I like, it goes on my list of like, this is something to read later. Very, very few books that I've gotten partially through like especially physical books, and said, this is, I don't like this, I don't want to read it. Because there's always going to be those little gems that, you know, the whole book could be crap, but you might find like one little idea that really pays for itself and pays for all the time. And so I'm, I'm always trying to be open for that. And the fact that I can take notes and take that idea and put it into my own process is kind of a, kind of a good way. So I don't have to go back through the book later. I'll buy that. So uh, the other thing is, is that I find myself sometimes, like I'll pick up a book and I'll get a quarter of the way through it. And it is interesting, but I still find myself not able to finish it. I just never come back to it. Do you ever run into that? And is that indicative of it just not being compelling enough? Or is it because I'm busy and it just happens? Or what do you think? Can we skip this question? Because on my Kindle, I have a folder of what I'm currently reading. And it says I'm currently reading 31 books at once. Are and you? I'm not. You've got me beat. I think mine says I have like 24 books that I'm currently reading. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. I mean, this is a um, this is kind of like a problem that I ran into, I guess, when my daughter was born. Is I was still picking up books, but I didn't have as much time. And so my, I guess, purchasing and acquisition speed remained constant, but my actual consuming speed slowed down a lot. Tech, before that, what I tried to do is try to read one business book one technical book and one fiction book at a time. And that the, the intention is sometimes I feel like technical, sometimes I feel like business, and sometimes I need to read to go to sleep. And so that's basically, I would have those three. And if a book is so boring or just not interesting to me long enough and it's in that half-read state, I'll drop it for later and then grab a different book. Because sometimes a book's just not right for you at this moment, but maybe later on it is. And so I've you know, I've kind of slowly started adding books to that folder just because my organization kind of slacked. And I think now I'm reading like four or five books actively and it's hard. And it's, I 
really don't recommend it at all. Like if you can get by of reading one book at a time, that's probably the best thing to do. But I've just found I my attention drains if I'm just focusing on one type of topic at once. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, my problem is is like I, I usually am doing like a fiction book and then another business or tech book and it's 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 hard for me to just stay, you know, focused and on top of it for that long. So anyway, so that that's really you know, anything that I can think of other than just are there instances where you feel like a book isn't the best medium for whatever you're trying to learn? Oh yeah, that's actually a good point. Um used to I would, you know, buy books for everything, but I now have I think six different edition not even editions, uh revisions of Agile Web Development with Rails, the first edition. I've bought in every single edition of that book since it came out. I think I sold all of them because I got tired of them on the shelf. And I, I've seen similar problems with other technology. And the problem is, is the technology moves so fast that by the time stuff is written about it, gone through the printing process, and even with the pragmatics who are very fast with their printing process, it's going to be out of date or it's going to be out of date soon. And so I've actually now, any technical book that I really need to read, I will get it as an ebook, and I will almost never get it as a paper book unless it's a reference book. If it's like an API reference for JavaScript, which won't be changing a heck of a lot because everyone uses it, that's a good, you know, dead tree book to have on my desk. But it's it's really hard, especially, I mean, in Ruby and Rails, stuff moves so fast that even books are too slow. And, you know, blog posts work good. I don't care for a screencast that much just because, you know, screencast you're there for the time the screencast is versus a book if you can read fast you can get through it faster than someone who can't but i mean i technical topics i try to pick up online now because they're going to be updated and because you can tell how recent they are yep absolutely and and that makes sense to me too um i I kind of inherit books sometimes rather than buy them so that's why i have a lot of the books that i have but all of the ebooks, yeah, I've, I've actually gone and bought them or had the publisher come to me and say, hey, we'd like you to review this book. And uh, anyway, it's it's that's another thing that's hard is, you know, you feel like they've given you the book and so you ought to read it and review it. And it, it comes down to this whole time thing. You know, do I have time to get through this book and then time to write a, a thoughtful review about it? And so uh, I've actually been telling some of them no. You know, it's like, if you want to send it to me, that's fine. But my turnaround on these has not been great. And, uh, you know, and then they can kind of make the call from there. But, yeah, I like yeah, I like the idea of a reference on the reference thing that you pointed out. And that's kind of like a core competency thing. Like, right now on the business side, my core stuff I focus on is marketing. I mean, I... It's specifically copywriting with marketing. I'm trying to get better at that actively. So those books I prioritize over other you know, general marketing or just general business books. And I have the same thing for technical stuff. Like, you know, I'm working in some legacy code. I'm working a lot in kind of code cleanup, refactoring stuff. So that content, whether it's a book or blog post, whatever, I'm prioritizing over, you know, maybe like what we, like what we talked about last episode, like greenfield development stuff or, you know, maybe new technology. And, you know, it's, I call it the, my just-in-time education system. I, I try to learn stuff and educate myself just in time before I actually need that education. That makes sense. All right, well, then let's go ahead and get to the, to the picks. Um, I'll let you go first. What, what picks do you have? Okay, so I got two. One, a blog post. Uh, the title of it's kind of, kind of, I don't know, I don't know if I agree with the title for the content, so just skip over the title and read the content, but it's called Developer Depression. Isolation is the biggest problem. It basically talks about, they use developer as it, but it actually talks about people who work alone or are, you know, you work kind of focused, you're in the flow, you're, it's not like you're working with a team all the time. And it kind of talks about how that can cause depression or depression-like symptoms and how it actually talks about how having a social aspect, whether it's at work or after work, actually really helps and so there's, I mean, there's a lot in here. I'm not even able to paraphrase a little bit, but it's a really, it's a really good read, especially if you're like me working at home, doing development, you know, the only company you see is your dog throughout the workday. It's a really good book or book. It's a really good article to kind of go through. And then my second pick is, um, 
by Avdi. It's Ruby Tapas Episode 4, Bear Words. Uh, Ruby Tapas is a paid screencast subscription product that Avdi has, but he's putting out, I think it's on Monday, it's, he's putting out one of the three for free, and so this is one of the free ones. I really enjoy this. I'm a subscriber, but this one basically paid for itself because he was able to describe some concepts that I've been doing ever since I got started in Ruby and couldn't really actually describe it. Um, it's a great because it's about naming and variables, and then it talks. He gets into about like Ruby scope stuff. So it's like I said, this is a free one. Um, you can watch it on his blog, and if you like his this kind of stuff, his subscription service has a lot of stuff in there. I mean, I've I spent the night and watched all of them, got all caught up, and have a bunch of notes of stuff I need to start applying, you know, today type thing. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it, and Avdi is on the Ruby Rogues podcast. So yeah, really, really smart guy. Yep. Is is that all your picks? Yep, just two this week. All right. Just wanted to make sure. Besides the, what, 40 books we recommended. <laughs> I know, really, right? My picks this week, I want to talk about a couple of them. The first one is I ripped some DVDs. I, I, I guess that's illegal, but I'm only just putting them up where I can watch them on my Blu-ray player from uh, Network Attached Storage. And uh turns out that Handbrake can rip them. And it can also put them in a format that my um, Blu-ray player can can read. So I really, really like it. You can get it at handbrake.fr. And then my other pick is uh, BitTorrent. And uh, I'm not going to talk about everything that I have ever gotten off of BitTorrent, mainly because I don't want to incriminate myself over the air. But basically, it's it's a great way of transferring files. I think some of the distribution networks out there for things like uh, Linux distributions and stuff for getting uh, ISOs for um, installing Linux and stuff like that use BitTorrent. And so it's, it's really a terrific way of, of pulling data from multiple sources and, you know, kind of um, having it build into a coherent, cohesive file. So um, I really like that. And if you're on the Mac, you can use a program called Transmission to do it. Um, I'm sure that there are BitTorrent clients for Linux as well. And, and I know there are on Windows. I just haven't used any of them recently. So um, I'm going to pick Transmission as well. And uh, those are my picks. We'll, we'll wrap this up. Do you have any announcements or anything you want to talk about that's going on with your business before we wrap this up? No, not really. Just normal day-to-day business stuff this week. We'll catch you all next week. Take care.